0: Welcome to Life Happens, where Texans come to protect their legacy and prepare for the second half of life. Join your host, Attorney Kim Hegwood, with Hegwood Law Group and our weekly guest as we navigate the challenges that emerge as life happens. Now here's your host, Kim Hegwood.
1: Good morning and welcome to Life Happens with me, Kim Hegwood, and our very special guest today is Dana Barnes with Brookdale Senior Living. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I figure every day I get up, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> but today we're going to talk about assisted living or memory care, you know, which is the right choice, because we have a lot of clients that are, you know, that are falling into that category, um, you know, because they're, you know, they're early diagnosed with dementia or their dementia is starting to progress. And so, so I guess it's really important to kind of talk about, you know, which one, because a lot of people are very confused about that. So let's start off with something simple. And um, let's talk about the key differences between assisted living and memory care.
0: Right. Because they, they do seem pretty similar. Um, I would say that there's about four key differences between the two. Um, number one is going to be safety. Uh, memory care is usually a separate area, um, and it has special security uh, measures involved so that residents who might be experiencing wandering um, will not leave the building and be unsafe. And so that's number one. Um, Also, the way that memory care is usually built um, is purpose-built, we call it, which enables uh, residents with uh, dementia or cognitive impairment to be able to navigate the building a lot easier. Um, So number one is safety. Number two is definitely going to be the training and the staffing um, in memory care. Uh, In the state of Texas, uh, there's 20 hours of training with specific topics that the state... Picks um, that all care staff have to do before they're ever even allowed to do their job unsupervised. Uh, with memory care, uh, those topics are dementia specific that the state picks. Um, both have to do continuing education. Um, regular care staff for assisted living has about six hours, but in memory care, they have doubled that with 12 hours of continuing education that they have to do annually. Um, So you're going to have definitely a care staff that has more uh, specialized training to help residents maintain their cognitive skills. And their approach to care is going to help them prevent um, difficult behaviors from manifesting um, because they understand how to communicate better with residents with dementia. Um, a third difference is going to be the amenities. You know, when we go into assisted living we're seeing all the wonderful things that they've got going on in the community and the barber shop, and the outside areas, pet friendly spaces, maybe a library or a movie theater and memory care has similar things like that, but they've got specific areas um, for, for, for residents with dementia to really enjoy um, when you, are not processing um, normally, which is pretty much what happens with dementia. Maybe watching TV or a movie is not quite as fun. So we might not have a movie area like you would in assisted living, for example. Um, But what you are gonna see um, are some more defined common areas. So they're easier to find. You're going to see some color coding hallways um, that are easier to navigate. You're going to see what I call, they, they're by different names, but I call them reminiscing stations, um, which are really good because what they do is they enable the resident to, um, to uh, uh Work with something, props and whatnot, um, items that maybe relate to a job they used to do in the past or a hobby or routine that they used to do. And so they're memories that they're still maintaining and are able to engage with. Um, So you're going to see some differences in the amenities themselves. The buildings will definitely look different, but um, overall, you're going to have different activities. The fourth one, different activities different programming that's happening um, in assisted living you know we're providing person-centered care we want to get to know the resident what did they enjoy doing you don't want to pick a calendar and hope they just like it <laughs> we want it they want it to be engaging for them and something that they enjoy um, so we'll have all kinds of different things you know music and bingo and you know all con- pep pets coming in, um, parties, all kinds of things like that. In memory care, we want to make sure uh, that the activity matches the cognitive ability and, this, and the remaining skill sets that the residence has. Um, so even though they look similar, they're functioning different inside so that the residents in memory care are receiving you know, specific care and training and approach.
1: So that was excellent by the way. (laughs) Oh, that was great. So, um, a lot of families, you know, get that early diagnosis of dementia Mm -hmm. and, and panic sets in, um, you know, so, you know, what should we do? Do we leave them at home? Do we move them, you know, to, you know, to a, a facility, some type, either assisted living memory care, you know, um, When's the best time to transition someone um, after they've had that diagnosis? Because I think that's important for people to know. You know, when's the best time? Um, because the sometimes that transition's not easy.
0: Right, and sometimes you get a lot of re- resistance, and you're trying to work with that as well. Um, so, well, it just depends. Every person's different. Um, I think we have to start with defining what is dementia. Right, Dementia is a set of symptoms that affect our memory, our problem-solving ability, our language. Um, The Alzheimer's Association says that 50% of all residents that are living in assisted living have some type of dementia or cognitive impairment. So when's the right time, right? Um, If the resident is still engaged, if the resident is still socializing and living life and they're still working because it's an early onset diagnosis, then, you know, assisted living could be the appropriate environment, right? Um, But if they're not engaging because they're having difficulty processing um, the activity or the music or the movie, um, they're not socializing because they know, know that they're having some memory issue and they don't want to be ostracized by other residents or, you know, and they kind of go off to themselves, you know, they're not really thriving. They're not having great quality of life and assisted living, even though they're functioning. Right. So that's when it's time to go to memory care. Um, You know, they need to be able and and it doesn't even mean that they're not able to be mobile and, you know, all that. They just need to be able to engage. They need to be able to be a part of an environment and activities that they truly can process and be a part of. And that's how they have better quality of life. It enables them actually to retain their cognitive ability better. Um, because they're they're using it in the right way Um, and they can thrive. So that's if they're already in a senior living environment. But what if they're at home? Right. Well, some of that's the same way. Um, How are they engaging with those that are around them? If you're the caregiver, um, you know, how are you doing engaging with your loved one? Um, Is that becoming more difficult? Um, You know, how are doing those, those daily care tasks of uh, toileting or bathing or helping your loved one get dressed or maybe having to lift, how is that affecting your quality of life? Um, is that weighing on you? Is that wearing you out? Is that, is that, uh, speeding along, you know, some, some other, um, you know, uh, difficulty in your living. Um, so really the bottom line is, um, you know, how will moving your loved one to memory care improve your quality of life and their quality of life? If we focus just on money or it's complicated or whatnot, all that's going to do is continue to progress to become more and more difficult. So the earlier, the easier.
1: So we know from, you know, clients, you know, having doing, you know, visiting different facilities and things like that, that memory care does cost more than assisted living. Right. And so why is that when you think about, you know, maybe in assisted living, you're doing a lot of the same things you're doing in memory care.
0: Great question. We're in the same building, right? We're just an off in a separate space. Why is it cost so much more? Um, pricing for senior living includes different factors. Um, the location of the community, um, the room size that your loved one's living in. um, Is it a shared space with someone else? So those things go into it. According to a 2021 uh, cost of care survey by Genworth, um, assisted living has a median average right now of about $4,500 a month. And memory care has got $5,430 a month median, right? Could be higher, could be lower, depending on where you live. But, you know, in memory care, we have that higher staff ratio with more specialized training, more one-on-one attention. So um, you've got higher care needs for the memory care residents, um, increased incontinence, so care for that. Every res, you know, maybe in assisted living, some residents are still doing okay with the bathing themselves, but everybody in memory care needs assistance with that. Sometimes they need assistance with feeding because you know, as the as the um, dementia progresses, they they lose more and more skills. And so they need more and more help. And because of that, it costs more.
1: Yeah.
0: Some memory cares are actually all inclusive in their pricing, so that's kind of nice.
1: Yes, that that most definitely is. And so And, um, so, you know, we talked a little earlier about, you know, um, you know, when they've gotten the diagnosis, you know, should they move directly into a community? And so, but how do you know when the right time is to, to move them from either home to memory care or from assisted living or independent living to memory care? How do you know it's the right time?
0: Well, I guess it just goes back to the individual. Um, You just really have to, what is the quality of their life? How is their day to day living? Are they engaged? Are they active? Are they enjoying, I mean, for crying out loud, we're retired at this point. We should be having a great time, you know? Um, so are they enjoying their life or are they set apart? And, you know, I mean, everybody's personality is different. So, you know, your mom, your dad, they might kind of already be sort of an introvert, you know, but if they're always sitting off to the side, they're not, they're not actually enjoying the programming in assisted living or independent living or even what you're providing at home they're, they're not living life. They're not thriving. So, so that's one is, is them, right? How is it going for them? But number two is the caregiver because you're only as good as how healthy you are and how sane you are, you know, I mean, it's hard, right? You know, keeping a thousand medications, a thousand doctor appointments and schedules and all kinds of things in your head for someone else while you're trying to live your own life. What I love about senior living, when, when you make that move, it enables you to go back to being the family member and it takes that caregiving burden off of you. You now have a whole team of people joining you to care for your loved one and you have more time to focus on your life too, which just makes you a better family member.
1: Well, that's a very good reason, you know, to do that because I know, you know, a lot of caregivers, you know, their health declines, they they go through depression, you know, they don't take care of themselves as well as they should. You know, right. so, but, but let's talk about a problem that we see a lot in my practice too. Um, uh, that The child that's not here, you know, yeah. how do you, how do you keep them in the loop and assure them that mom or dad is getting the best care when they're not here to see it?
0: Yes, that can become very difficult. So in the sibling who's not witnessing the daily life and they just don't understand, you know, you're, you're trying to tell them, but they don't really comprehend it because they're not experiencing it themselves. And, and the best advice that I have for that is you just have to equip them with information. Um, you know, utilize the 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 diagnosis information that the doctor gives you you know share with them what the the doctors are saying and the other clinicians are saying share with them the test results and the lab results and all that so that they can see what's happening systemically you know physically and and from a diagnosis perspective with your loved one um so more information sometimes is helpful um i think what's a great idea is even just a little bit of a respite every caregiver needs that from time to time. Wouldn't that be great if your sibling actually did have a chance to come in and see mom for a minute and, you know, come have lunch or come go on a little shopping and see what it's like, see what that day is like, um, in person. And maybe there might be some greater appreciation for that, but you know, um, I have to say this i'm an only child kim so um, i always win the arguments but (laughs) i have my husband has has sisters so i have sisters that way i've got great friends and everything and sometimes you know you just don't agree and that might be a great time to go ahead and and bring into that conversation an objective third party like Mm -hmm. maybe a geriatric care manager um, that can help. You know, a lot of times that third party is not tied up in the emotions of everything, or the guilt, or the the concern of what will happen, or the finances, that kind of thing. And they can really be objective and be a great advocate for your loved one. Um, so that might be helpful. But but truly, as the caregiver that's there doing the daily caregiving. It is very important for you to reach out and ask for help. And that's difficult sometimes for your siblings to understand. So even if you don't have that support right now, please, please, please reach out to other people and get support that you need that will enable you to con- you know, continue along or give you a respite or, you know, um, so that you also have a good quality of life. And you're thriving. We all want to do that.
1: Most definitely. So, so, Dana, how, how do they find you?
0: Oh, okay. Well, I have a cell phone. You can call me. <laughs> but I also have an email address. I think it's there on the screen. Um, do I get my number? Can I give them?
1: Read the email address for the people. Okay. That are- oh,
0: I'm sorry. Okay. So, my email address is D for Dana Barnes, my last name with an E, 19 at brookdale.com. You can get a hold of me there.
1: Perfect. And so I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I love the good information that you've provided our listeners. And um, and we look forward to seeing you again.
0: Thank you, Kim. And I appreciate what you do for families and helping them.
1: Have a good. Thanks for tuning in to this week's
0: episode of Life Happens with Kim Hegwood. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. wherever you listen to your podcast as we navigate through the challenges that emerge as life happens. The content of this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship or constitute attorney-client privilege, legal, medical, financial, or any other professional advice.